The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, uh, well, he just wants you to get off his lawn. Welcome, Jacob. Okay, Mr. Eastwood. That wasn't Eastwood. <laughs> that was Buscemi. Oh, I know. <laughs> Either or. Why, thank you. Let me use our co-host. A man who... Like, seriously, is that bottle yellow? Is that liquid yellow? No. Really? <laughs> You're the one with the Mountain Dew. Oh, ugh. Yeah. Not drink that. No. Yeah, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't drink that you. <laughs> no, it's actually Mountain Dew. No worries. Anyway. <laughs> Love these skits, don't you? Yes. How are you doing, Jacob? Man, I am doing... I am... Let's just be frank, I'm pooped. I'm tired. It's been a long week. Um, I spent the day in a box. Uh... Uh... Getting money and people paying for gas, and then have to go into a store and sit them out of register for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. But that's you know atypical. What you got to do, be like it's part of a job. Yeah. Apparently, we had two people call. You know, no show, no call. One of those things. Fun. Yeah. So that's one. So of the if reasons. you're in the Jacksonville area and want to work at a local grocery store, yeah, Butcher Brothers may be looking to hire. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I Maybe. don't know if they are or not. Oh, I'm pretty sure we are. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, uh, yeah, cats out of the bag. I work for Berkshire Brothers. I think we've said this I, before. I think we have. So. I think we have. I think we have. But uh, yeah, week's going pretty good. As much um, as we snipe out at the store that must not be named. True. That's true. Voldemort. Yeah, Voldemort. Either or. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Long, long week. Uh, it's just probably going to be a lot longer. With uh, everything going on, mm -hmm. uh, working on a project with um, uh, my brother this weekend, and uh, a lot of other stuff going on this weekend.Un. <sighs> it, it, I'll it's be praying for you. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> I do. I really, really do. Uh, so yeah, how are you, Bender? Uh, this has been an interesting week. <laughs> so for those who don't know, because I don't think I've said it on the show yet. They changed my work schedule at work to where I now no longer get off most days until 630. Mm. The good part about that is, is that means I have all Friday off. Yay. The bad news is that means I'm wore out at the I've been worn out at the end of the day for the past four days. And I tend to be late for things mm. because I don't get off until 630 and things like to start either right either at six or six thirty, mm -hmm. which is well that's just life yeah. you get right down to it uh but at the very least i am able to make it to choir practice on time so that's if that, that, as, as long as that's not an issue i'm pretty much flexible yeah i had a kind of a weird schedule today myself uh i went in at eleven thirty this morning or mid-morning to go work at our, our gas station. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I worked there until like 5.30. Then my manager showed up thinking, oh, be like, oh, here's the pull. 
And it's like, no, we need you to come in the store and check because no one's showing up. And they had to, they literally had to call another office manager from another store to come in and check and close the store. That's messed up. Yeah, agreed. When you have two uh, no call no shows, mm-hmm. oh, that's just fun. But at least they don't have to count until. That's always good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I totally get it. So, uh, Jacob, I do have a question for you, my friend. Mm. What have you been watching? All right. So what have I been watching? Uh, so last week I didn't mention that I mentioned I watched a few things while we had. Uh, I watched Disney's Atlantis, the first one, which is really, really good. It's which we've from, already reviewed. Yeah, we've already reviewed this movie. Really good. Go watch it. Go watch or listen to it where we... Uh, yeah, where wherever it's available for you to watch. Our, Disney Plus, most likely. Yes, go watch in Disney Plus. I'm referring to our podcast. Oh, yeah. On your podcast catcher. Yeah, or directory, whatever. Uh, and so then I tried. I honestly did, people. I tried to watch Atlantis, Milo's Return. Mm-hmm. I got halfway through this thing. It's like, nope. Sorry. Can't finish this. Nope. No city. I'd be like, I'm hanging up the phone on this one. Click. Done. <laughs> so I never finished this movie. So I was like, this is not a very good story. It's not very well done. And there again, it's that era where they were doing sequels left and right. It's, with... the, it's the era of the Disney Toon Studio sequels. And yeah. those are, well, I was going to say hit or miss, but I think generally they're miss. Yeah, they're definitely a, a miss. And you're going to get struck, struck out with that one. Yeah. Uh so, as most people know, if you follow animation or if you follow anything Star Wars recently, mm-hmm. uh, they had uh, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi yeah. recently come out, and it's shorts. And so yesterday, while I was, I finished watching, uh, uh, I finished watching Lower Decks for the two episodes for this set for this episode. Mm-hmm. So. I'm sitting there. It's just like, you know what? What sounds fun? Why not just watch a little Star Wars? And these are really, really good short. They're six, they're six episodes. They they are within the the prequels, the prequels and the uh, the original canon. Well, I think they're primarily just within the uh, the prequels. I haven't looked at it, so don't quote me. Oh, okay. I don't know. Have you watched them yet? I've not watched them yet, so oh, I can't help you. Yeah, they're they they are good. They're good. They they kind of focus on two two characters. But, um, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, it's kind of like it starts in pre uh, Phantom Menace and then ends post uh, Revenge of the Sith. So it's good. Very good storytelling. Now, Grant, I haven't watched all of the Star Wars yet. I understand what's going on in the stories. So. Be like all the shows. What's what I mean? I'm yeah. Watch. I haven't watched all the shows yet because there's a lot. Um, but other than that, uh, a lot of YouTube, a lot of uh, podcast. Um, other than that, it's been that's basically all I've been watching. So, what have you been watching, Drew? Whale. It's a whale of a tail. No. Uh, I have watched not only the two episodes of Lower Decks we're reviewing tonight, mm-hmm. but since two Thursdays have passed, 
Mm-hmm. I can say I watched both both episode nine and episode ten of season three of of Lower Decks, which means I am at the tail end of the of the the season. I'm at the end of the season. Oh, okay. It is. Uh, it ends good. We'll definitely talk more about that here in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was just going to say that my pride as a Texan was hurt by the end of this season. Oh, oh, okay. Just, just going to say that. I got. You. I will talk more about that once we get to uh, the tenth episode of season three, which I can't remember the name of at the moment, but that's fine. Um, also, I have been watching a little bit of a nostalgic anime for me. Really? From uh, I think it originally came out in eighty nine. I think is when it came out. Mm. It is. A combination of a robot show and shonen and tokusatsu style action. Hmm. It is an anime. Really? It is uh, part of a major franchise that one of the people in our podcast network does a, a podcast just about this franchise. They haven't gotten to this show yet. Oh. Hmm. It's a little fun show. I like to, that's called uh, Mobile Fighter G Gundam. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I have it on <laughs> Blu-ray. Really? <laughs> Which means I get the English dub. Because <laughs> the English dub, for some reason, is not available on Crunchyroll where the uh, where you can stream the show. It's only really? the Japanese uh, huh. dub is there with the English subtitles. Right. And as much as I was enjoying what I was had seen of the Japanese show. It just has a whole nother life with that little, that little cheesy nineties mm-hmm. dub, English dub. You Fair. know how show uh, anime and oh, yeah. dubbed in the nineties was like, Oh yeah. Uh, it is goofy beyond all get out. Fair. But it's, it's, it perfectly fits the show because the show itself is a little bit goofy. Mm-hmm. But it's also got a more dark, serious side to it that I think most people who, if they've not watched the show, uh, don't know about. Because all they see is, oh, look, that Gundam is a stereotype of that country. Mm-hmm. That Gundam's a stereotype of that country. Oh, look, Sweden's Gundam's not a stereotype of Sweden. It's literally a reference to Sailor Venus. <laughs> And, you know, I, I understand that. You look at it and you want to just kind of write the whole thing off because, mm-hmm. oh, it's look how silly and crazy this is. There's no way there's a serious story. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's a lot of times where you're watching the same bit of animation they repeat every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. We all know about how this is. I, I can't say the phrase. I'm sorry. I was going to do the whole thing where it's like, um. My hand is burning with an awesome power. Yeah. It's glowing grip tells me to defeat you. Take this, my love, my anger, and all of my sorrow. Shining finger. I didn't say it exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I got close. So, so 90s cheese. It's, but it's fun 90s cheese. Yeah, I, I agree this with is, you. It is fun 90s it cheese. I agree with you. It is a fun show. I understand why, especially now that I am listening to Gundam Watch, uh, that our friends over at Geek Devotions, Dallas and Branson, mm-hmm. are very. I understand why this is probably not a show they are 
like they, they like as well they would like as well because it is very different from the Gundam that came before it and a lot of the Gundam that comes after it mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe SD Gundam mm-hmm. but it is so much just a fun show yeah I can tell I remember I remember watching this show when it came out in the mid 90s on Toonami mm-hmm. I was like because there again I watched uh Gundam Wing before mm-hmm. that and it's like wow be like such a contrast yeah. between the the now granted Gundam Wing is more very much uh a little too much drama about everything. <laughs> I think that's Gundam in a nutshell from what I've seen, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Yeah. I get it, it is a different type of story than I normally watch, yeah. I'll admit. Hey Dallas, are we right or are we wrong? Let us know. Yes. Uh I don't think he's actually well I know they're getting ready to do, I think, Gundam Wing. Yeah. But anyway. Ooh. I could be wrong. on which mm. He was asking about Gundam Wing somewhere else, mm-hmm. and I don't remember. I don't know. They, I think they still have to finish up the uh, the third uh, Gundam movie where they squeeze in the last third of the original uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. Oh, okay. They still have that to review. I but, gotcha. I would know. I'm a month behind on listening to podcasts, so they could have already reviewed it, and I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, also, I watched the newest episode of Spy Family. Of course. And this episode was a little odd in its structuring. It's the first time we've had a two-story episode. Yeah. You know you know how uh, the, the, the first, like, Half of it will be one story, and then the second half will be another story. Mm-hmm. This is kind of that, except it's more like the first three quarters is one story, huh. and then the last quarter is one story. Yeah. So the last, second story doesn't get a whole lot, and it's kind of quick and out of the way, but it was kind of weird. It was just a weird episode, but it was mm-hmm. still good, if that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely, we need to review that at some point. But uh, other than that... The only other thing I watched was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie again because I was on Retro Rewind. Yeah, that was last good. week. Uh, think he's working on getting that episode out next week, but don't quote me. And then that episode of Monster on Film Vault I think is maybe within two or three weeks from now. Okay, if I've got it figured right and assuming he doesn't get backed up. But mm. so don't quote me on any of these release schedules for these other podcasts. I really don't know. I'm estimating on all of them. Ah. But other than that, I think that's been about it. Okay. So, uh, Jacob, what do we have in the news? The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Dlit, and getting into this week's news. Uh, some of the news actually flows over into last week, so we're just getting double dosing of news yeah. here. Well, we had a m- not large gap between the la- recording of last episode and the yes. recording of this episode. Yes, we did. So, all right. So this article, I could. Well, normally I get all our news from uh, AnimationMagazine.net, but I looked at it. And it was like there was nothing really newsworthy. 
Because it was all just like, oh, this little article here, a little article here, nothing really of significance. Mm -hmm. So I just went and found, well, okay, Google, what's what's in the news? And all three of these, I think three popped up, and I was like, oh, these are worth it. These are worth talking about. So this is regarding animation and regarding Disney. So uh, this article is from Collider.com. Okay. Uh, from Bob Iger to Bob Ch- uh, Champic. Chapic, I might be mispronouncing his name. Chapic, I think. Huh? But I think it's Chapic, but don't Chappic. quote me. Thank you, Chapic. Yeah, from Bob Chapic, leadership. Uh, Disney has come a long way in his last five years. While the House of Mouse manages to entertain millions across the across the globe and continues to dominate the industry via theme parks and various brands like Pixar and Marvel Studios, recently had a. Um, had to maintain choppy waters with allegations of being too woke. Now, granted, this is what the article says. Uh, lack of rep- representation in the films and among others. And now CEO Champ- Champic? Chapic? I think. Chapic. Uh, has ruffled some more feathers by assuming that, Disney, that, that Disney's animated content is only for children and their parents... And childless adults, that's us, uh, aren't tuning in to animated movies. All right, so this is a quote uh, from Chapic. Bob Chapic, are you aware of this podcast? Yep. Apparently not. Because uh, so, our entire goal is to remind people that animation is for all ages. Agreed. All right. So uh, to quote Bob Chapic. Uh, while discussing uh, the Disney brand, he said, Our fans and audience put their kids to bed at night after watching Pinocchio, Dumbo, or The Little Mermaid. Then they probably don't go in to tune into another anime movie. They want something they want something for them. However, he did say he was open to rated R content given to the illicit like, I don't know elasticity of the content base of the consumer base saying we probably ought to listen to our audience, which means we have, have more degrees of freedom when it, we probably, than we probably thought. So basically he's saying be like people like us, normal adults with children mm-hmm. don't go watch Disney or animated Disney films. And my thought is like, there again, like Drew said, be like, have you listened to this podcast? Have you listened to thousands of podcasts just like us? Yeah. Who just dote upon animated movies that are for kids and adults. So I don't know, but like he, I, I don't know if he's gotten off base of where his audience is, but like I know adults that are married will go and watch a Disney film with their, mm-hmm. with their spouse, like after the kids go to bed. Yeah. So. Come on, Chappic. What's the deal? All right. So moving on from that, uh, a little sad news that came uh, on October 25th. Um, ju- I'm probably going to butcher it. Julie's Bass? I think it's Jules Bass. Jules Bass. Okay. That's what I thought. Jules Bass. Of course, I read things backwards all the time. Uh, Jules Bass, who helped me uh, root off the most famous reindeer of all and brought Frosted Snowman life uh, during a profitable animation career that shaped the holiday TV viewing traditions for a generation of youngsters uh, who died on October 25th 
at a senior living facility in New York. He was 78 years old, and this article comes from uh, the WashingtonPost.com. Not to mention he is half of the world-famous <laughs> Rankin-Bass Animation Studio exactly. that made all those shorts, plus a little show that we've at least reviewed the sequel to called Thundercats. Oh, yep, exactly. So yeah, this is that bass yeah. of Rankin-Bass. Yeah, that, that was... I've always said it before, and I'll say it again. Thundercats was a huge influence on me artistically and, you know, cartoon-wise. Because have you seen this show? It's freaking amazing. And also, mm-hmm. the the the, uh, the 2011 reboot is still amazing. Sadly, we never got a, uh, another season out of it. But uh, so I this was something that I mentioned to Drew earlier that I saw this article, and I was like, you know what? This would be a good idea. So, remember when I asked you earlier today mm-hmm. that what would be your top three animated superhero movies? Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse has to be up there. Okay. Uh, that's when that's when it starts to get harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I have to throw in there, I think, Batman Mask of the Phantasm is I think it was the best of the animated series movies to come out okay i think it's a, it's the only one that was released theatrically but i i don't think any of the other ones were ever really if they were i think a lot of the other ones were just mm-hmm. episodes that they said were a movie i could be wrong there but i got you uh so yeah batman mask of the phantasm spider-man enter the spider-verse and i probably will have to go with Big Hero 6. Okay. All right. So a friend of ours. Though, granted, Incredibles and Incredibles 2 are like right underneath. Like, <laughs> like with separated by just like a degree. I got From you. that last, from Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6 is just a fun yeah. movie. Agreed. Agreed. And also a friend of ours, Wendy. Uh, also kind of agree with yours. Uh, Big Hero 6, The Incredibles, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, people have also said uh, also Big Hero 6, Incredibles. Uh, TMNT, the fourth movie in the movies, the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I stumbled across this article from ScreenRant.com, which they uh, they took the 10 best animated animated best superhero animated films, according to Reddit. So from the Incredibles to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, these animated superhero movies for Redditors set up and take notice. So number 10, Batman under the red hood, 2010. Number nine, Hulk versus Wolverine, 2000, 2009. Coming in number eight, Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox, 2013. That's actually a really good film. I haven't seen it, so. So coming in number seven, Megamind, 2010. Movie I haven't seen yet. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let it go. Yeah, okay. That, that's technically a superhero movie. True. I, I just didn't think of it earlier. Number six, 
This one still blew my mind. Number six. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2018. Odd that it's that low, but okay. Yeah. Number five. Superman vs. the Elites 2012. Number four. The Incredibles 2004. Getting into our, our, our top three. Number three, Planet Hulk, 2010. Number two, which was part of my list, part of my list, I would have done it. Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, 2000. Mm-hmm. Now, curiosity, with all those movies said, what do you think is number one? Big Hero 6. Nope. Because that wasn't on the list. No, it's not, which I find incredibly sad. And it's one that I went, what, when I read it? So here, huh? The Incredibles? No, Incredibles was number four. Number one, Next Avengers Heroes of Tomorrow, 2003. Okay. Yeah, I was like, again, what? Redditors? Really? That's Reddit. What do you expect? That is true. Weirdos. Agreed. I say with like the fact knowing that I use Reddit for some different things. But anyway. Ah, okay. The internet is the internet. Yeah, the internet is the internet. So, yeah, that was the list according to Redditors from ScreenRant.com. So, I found that fun. Uh, Definitely my my list personally would have been obviously The Incredibles, Into the Spider-Verse, and of course Return of the Joker. Because Return of the Joker is a freaking phenomenal beast of a movie. It's a good movie. It's just, it's 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 Mark Hamill as the Joker, but we both, as we both discussed in that episode, mm-hmm. that is not the Joker from Batman. I would agree. The with animated you. series that is a different character. I would agree. Even Mark Hamill said it's a different character. Yeah, but Bill, I still enjoy this movie so much. So yeah, that is all I have for the news. All righty. Then uh, why don't we go ahead and hit our spoiler-free review of. Monster House. Certified fresh and spoiler free. This is my second viewing of Monster House. I originally saw this when it was in theaters. Hmm. And then I had not watched it from that time until this morning. The story is done very well, I thought. I've got some issues with the animation. Mm Mm-hmm. Which we'll get to. Yes. But for the most part, for a spooky Halloween movie, uh, I think this does a, does that job pretty well. I mean, it's got it, it really feels like kind of like an 80s horror film to yeah. some degree. Except for kids, where the only person who quote-unquote dies is the one who's already dead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's not really much of a spoiler, No, it's think. not. <laughs> But uh, it, it, it's, it's got a good twist at the end about, you know, who the monster really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, m- most of my issue with the, with the uh, film comes to its animation style. Agreed. Which we'll get to. But for the most part, yeah, it's a, it's a halfway decent movie. It's not my kind of movie. 
Because I can tell you the reason I had not watched it again until today wasn't because I thought it was bad. It was just because it's like, yeah, I saw it. I don't need to see it again. Fair. It's just you know a good movie. It's not one I care to repeat often because it's not my style. I got you. Of what I enjoy. Fair enough. So this is my first viewing of this film. Uh, I had heard of Monster House before. Uh, actually, I was talking to my boss before you know before shifting over to another position mm-hmm. for the rest of the night. Uh, I told him what movie we were doing. It's like you know what I've heard of this film. I've heard it was really good, and I agree with him. The movie is good. Uh, I would agree with Drew wholeheartedly. There are issues with the animation. It's got a really good story, and it's you know it's told. It's a very well told story. And uh, would I recommend it? That's a toss up because this movie gets really dark and really scary. Mm-hmm. And it's coming from an adult. So like the night I was watching it, I was like, Oh crap. This got dark. This got really scary. Really like definitely towards the third, the third act of this film. Yeah. Like it's really, really dark about and, the time they have to enter the house. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, this is not your standard uh, haunted house. No, it's not. It's and it's definitely not one of those, uh, what you call like a traditional Halloween cartoon movie, where it's like, oh, I'm just scared. It's like, no, this movie will scare you. Yeah, it's in some capacities. So if you have little ones, it's like, and they're not, they get frightened very easily. This movie will probably scare them. Oh yeah. So just, I mean. Th- I, I say no one dies in this film, but the person who was already dead, but that does not mean they're not in danger mm-hmm. uh, throughout, especially the, that last third of the film. Agreed. So there yeah. are definitely some stakes at the end of this film. Yes, there is. And like the movie ends very well. It's got a nice happy ending. They mm-hmm. wrap everything up in a nice little bow, but yeah, just be like, you know, your children. So if you're, if you want to watch, want to watch this movie with your children and you know their tolerance towards being scared or frightened mm-hmm. go ahead indeed so yeah that's my spoiler free review of monster house well then let's go ahead and hit some of our ads and then we will do our full spoiler filled review on the other side this podcast is a proud member of culture box Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the culture box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out The Untold Podcast, which is a speculative fiction podcast using the genres of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, among others, in order to engage the culture's imagination from a Christian worldview. Every month, Nathan James Norman produces and narrates a new story presented in a unique and dynamic way. Check out The Untold Podcast at theuntoldpodcast.com to listen and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Josh Adams, Ashley Ruiz, Book of Gaming. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to The Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Monster House. 
Listener discretion is advised. Monster House was directed by Gil Keenan, and uh, he is also the one who directed Poltergeist 2015. Hmm. Uh, it was all. It was written by Dan Harmon, Rob Schrab, and Pamela Pelter. Getting into the cast, we've got Steve Buscemi as Nebercracker, and he is Wayne in Hotel Transylvania. Hmm. Mitchell Musso played DJ, mm-hmm. and he plays the character of Jeremy in Phineas and Ferb. That yeah. is uh, uh, Phineas's sister, Candace. That's her name. Hmm. <laughs> Phineas' sister's Candace's boyfriend. Oh, okay. Or crush, I really should I say. got you. I got you. Uh, Sam Lerner plays Chowder. And oh, in the gosh, television Chowder. show The Goldbergs, he plays Jeff Schwartz. Hmm. Spencer Locke plays Jenny. And in Tarzan 2013, she was Jane. Hmm. Ryan Whitney played the little girl at the beginning. And she has a reoccurring role as Claudia Shepard in Sharknado. Oh, gosh. That franchise. That franchise. And to say that's a franchise. That's a franchise. That. There are at least four, and I think they're working on movie five. Mm. Uh, Catherine O'Hara played mom. And she played another mom, Mrs. Frankenstein, in Frankenweenie. Mm. Fred Willard played the dad. And uh, he played the character of Shelby Forthright. The BNL CEO in Wally. Hmm. You know, by and large. Yeah. You know, I haven't watched the movie yet. Really? No, I haven't. Well, spoiler alert, his role is the only live action role in the whole movie. Oh, okay. Which is odd when you watch it. Yeah. But still. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal played Z, and she played Rachel in The Dark Knight. Mm hmm. Jason Lee played Bones. And would you believe in the live action Alvin and the Chipmunks movies? He's Dave. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, John Heater played Reginald Skull Skolinski. He is Napoleon in Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. Kevin James was Officer Landers. And he played Paul Blart in Paul Blart Mall Cop. Mm -hmm. Nick Cannon played Officer Lister. And he was Devin Miles in Drumline. And Kathleen Turner played Constance in mm. her few lines in this film. Yeah. And uh, and she played the character of Joan Wilder in Romancing the Stone. Yeah. Really good movie. Yeah. And I think there's a connection between this actress and a producer. Maybe. Yeah. Like the producer like actually married? directed that film. Isn't, aren't they? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, getting into the Kingdom Hearts connections, if you can believe I found some. Hmm, interesting. Let's hear it. All of these connections, with the exception of one that was also in Kingdom in another Kingdom Hearts game, are all from Kingdom Hearts 3. Hmm. And they're all music-related. Huh. Mark Graham was did music prep for both. John Resch was a Foley artist in both. George Doring was a musician in both. Joe Zimmerman was the music librarian in Monster House and music prep in Kingdom Hearts 3. Hmm. And James Thatcher played the French horn in both. Huh. 
I want to thank IMDb for giving me even these small little bitty connections <laughs> that I wouldn't expect to find. Right? I'm not saying any of these roles were small and little, because if they were missing, we'd know it and we'd complain about it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> these are not the things I think about when I think connections between stuff. Right. Uh, what do we got in info and stuff? All right, so info and stuff. Uh, it has a IMDb score of 6.6 out of 10. Uh, you can watch it on Hulu through Freebie, right? It's Amazon for the freebie. I don't know how it is on Hulu. Well, apparently it's on there on Hulu as well. Hulu right. and Amazon, you can watch it there. Or you can go rent it from, you know, those places. Those places in which you rent movies nowadays. Wherever that is. Yeah. I'm sure, actually, you can probably still find it on a shelf at Walmart during this time of year. Probably. Probably. But let's move on. All right. So production was Columbia Pictures. Um... Re- relate relativity 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 thank you relatively media image movers and ambient entertainment amblin amblin i'm getting word mixed up today i apologize in people. your defense amblin is not a word because it is short word for it's short for rambling yeah because the i actually looked this up because i was curious steven spielberg's first short that he mm-hmm. directed was was called Amblin and it was a western. Oh okay. And that's what he named his production company after. Amblin. Okay. So literally it is rambling. Okay. Amblin. Because it's in slang terminology. I gotcha. Yeah. Amblin entertainment. That's I've... your trivia for today. <laughs> Which we'll get more later. Maybe. On. Yes. We will later get some more trivia. Uh, I was distributed by now I wrote this at, I'll be like I wrote it or I vocalized it and my iPad wrote it as this, but it actually is supposed to be Sony pictures releasing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it as my iPad wrote it. Sony pictures really sing. Sony pictures really sing. Yeah. Really sing. Nope. Sing is DreamWorks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So box office or not box office, but release date was January 21st, 2006. Here in the United States. Which is a really odd time for these kind of movies. Yes. All right. So box office. It had an estimated budget of $75 million. It had a weekend opening on July 23rd of that year of $22.2 million. Its U.S. and Canada gross was $73.6 million. It did terribly domestically. Yeah. But it did fairly well uh, worldwide. Its worldwide gross was $141.8 million. Uh, I could not find any information regarding a home release or anything on my normal sources, nor any if there was... I know there was a video game created of it, yeah. but there was no uh, no idea of doing sequels or I don't know what you do with a sequel to this movie. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how you would do a sequel to this. This is not really a franchisable story. No, it's not. It's it's one of the it's it's a one and done. Yeah. It's a one and done kind of story. I know it was released on DVD and Blu-ray at mm-hmm. some point, and it is streaming. Mm-hmm. So, and there was a video game uh, around that time that would have been probably Wii, PlayStation mm-hmm. Three, Xbox Three Sixty. Mm-hmm. That era, exactly. So that's all I have for info and stuff. Maybe on the Nintendo DS. Probably. Let's get into the summary. 
On October 30th, 1983, in Mayville, Wisconsin, the parents of 12-year-old DJ Walters go to a dentist convention for the weekend, leaving him in the care of babysitter Z. DJ's hobby is spying on his elderly neighbor. Creepy much? Yes, I said Napole instead of neighbor. Napole. Okay. It's so a, a nice wine then. Yes. Now, DJ's hobby is spying on his elderly neighbor, Horace Nebercracker, who scares children away from his front yard and confiscates their belongings. After Jeez. DJ's best friend, Chowder, uh, mislays his basketball on Nebercracker's lawn, Nebercracker catches DJ attempting to retrieve it, but appears to die of a heart attack from overexerting himself and is taken away by an ambulance. Mm -hmm. That night, DJ receives phone calls from the house with no voice on the other end. Z's drunk boyfriend, Bones, comes over for the night and reveals that as a child, Nebercracker stole his kite and was allegedly rumored to have eaten his wife. After Z throws him out, he sees his lost kite in the house's front door, but is abducted by the house while attempting to retrieve it. No. DJ and Chowder investigate, but retreat when the house comes alive and attacks them. The next morning, schoolgirl Jenny Bennett sells Halloween candy and goes to the house. DJ and Chowder save her before she gets eaten. Jenny calls police officers Landers and Lister, who do not believe the trio, because the house is inactive when adults are present. The trio consults supernatural expert Reginald Skull Skolinski, learning that the house is a rare monster created when a human soul merges with a man-made structure and can only be killed by destroying its heart. Concluding that Nebercracker's spirit was responsible and that the heart must be its furnace, they create and bring a dummy containing cold medicine from a pharmacy owned by Chowder's father. Before the dummy reaches the house, however, Landers and Lizard thwart their plans and arrest them after Landers discovers the stolen medicine. Before they can leave, the house devours everyone and the police vehicle. After the house falls asleep, the three begin exploring it. In the basement, they find a shrine containing the, the cement-encased skeleton of Nebercracker's late wife, Constance, the giantess. The house attacks them, though they force it to vomit them outside by grabbing its uvula. Nebercracker returns alive and well, revealing that the house is actually possessed by Constance's spirit. As a young man, he met Constance, then an unwilling member of a circus freak show, and fell in love with her. After helping her escape, they were married, and he bought a piece of land to construct a house. One Halloween, two children tormented Constance for her size. Constance became enraged and attempted to chase off the children with an axe. When Nebercracker attempted to stop her, she accidentally tripped and fell to her death in the unfinished basement of the house, in the process inadvertently activating a cement mixer that buried her body. Nebercracker finished the house as it was what Constance would have wanted. However, Constance's vengeful spirit possessed it afterwards, forcing him to scare children away for their safety. DJ convinces Nebercracker that he must let Constance go. Enraged, the house uses a pair of trees as limbs and breaks free from the foundation and chases after the group. The house corners them near the construction site. Nebercracker tries to confront Constance and tells her, realizing the trouble she has caused. Nebercracker attempts to destroy the house with some dynamite and then attempts to kill them. Chowder intervenes using an excavator from the construction site, and Nebercracker gives DJ the dynamite. Both Jenny and DJ fall into the yard and then tell Chowder to get the house in it. Chowder lures the house into the field, uh, puncturing the sh and striking the house with the excavator. The house slips down the hill and collapses in the process. 
Their victory is short-lived, though, when the house rebuilds itself with its remaining parts and chases Chowder, disabling the excavator in the process. DJ ascends the nearby crane and, with Jenny's help, manages to throw the dynamite into the house's chimney, destroying it and releasing Constance's ghost. When the trio see, who, who the trio see dancing with Nebercracker before ascending to the afterlife. DJ apologizes to Nebercracker for his losses, but Nebercracker thanks the trio for freeing him and Constance from being trapped in the house for 45 years. That night, the children Nebercracker drove away, line up at the former side of the house where the group returns fin uh, everything confiscated by Nebercracker. DJ and Chowder go trick-or-treating, which they initially felt they were too old for. During the credits, those who were eaten by the house emerge from the basement. Bones finds that Z is now dating Skull. Officer Landers and Officer Lister leave to investigate some of the trick-or-treating candy, and a dog urinates on a nearby jack-o'-lantern enough to distinguish its flame. Getting into the trivia. As of 2018, this is the only motion capture film to feature an entirely original story and not be based on existing source material. Mm -hmm. Monster House takes place in 1983. Chowder's line, DJ, you piss in bottles? Had to be redubbed to you pee in bottles? To help maintain a PG rating. Mm -hmm. You can still see Chowder's lips speak the original line. This is the first animated film to be made using Sony's animation rendering software. John Heater, who played Skull, tripped over wiring and broke his ankle the first day on set. <laughs> For the German version of the film, Bones, Skull, and Chowder have, have been renamed Punk, Freak, and Ketchup. And I have no idea why. The tricycle scene at the beginning of the movie is an homage to Stanley Kubrick's uh, film mm. rendition of Stephen King's The Shining mm -hmm. from 1980. Oh, yeah. The film used 3D motion capture techniques to digitally record the physical performance of the actors before skinning them with their animated forms. Mitchell Musso and Sam Lerner went to see Napoleon Dynamite before shooting. When they arrived on set, they screamed and jumped on John Heater, who played Napoleon in that movie. <laughs> There is a backstory involving Skull, played by John Heater, and Bones, played by Jason Lee, uh, being in an amateur heavy metal band when they first meet Z, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. She is wearing a top with Skull and Bones written on it, and later puts one of their cassette tapes on called Live at the Smell. She is also dating Bones throughout most of the movie, and then Skull at the end. I thought that was interesting, because I caught that, that before I read the trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings me to the end of the trivia. Uh, what's your first like for this film? My first like of this film. It's a it's wonderful storytelling at, at its best. Be like this this movie. Be like the way it's the story is told. Mm -hmm. Be like it gives you all these amazing beats, all like story beats, and it, like it sets up like who the characters are, what the situation is, who the protagonist, who the antagonist is. Be like it's just storytelling done right it's very well done it has be like this it has a good be like storytelling story is very well done and i really enjoyed like the 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 depth of the story goes with be like every character has some kind of some kind of arc some kind of res resolution in the end of the movie it's not things are just dropped they're mm -hmm. not I, I was thinking when watching this movie having done this for almost for almost five years uh you see like a plot point come in like uh chowder 
like loses his ball. And I'm thinking like, okay, what happened to the ball? Be like, did they grab the ball? Because the next thing you don't see it. And so, okay, this is going to be a dropped element. Nope, it's not. It's, it's a very much used plot point in Mm -hmm. the movie for to get oh brother chowder. (laughs) Um, I, I, can't you tell I'm not, wasn't the biggest fan of chowder. Uh, Yeah, I can tell. (laughs) Um, but I like it. It was, like I said before, great storytelling, great story in itself. That is my first like. What is yours? So this is a small thing to start off on, but I it was the first thing that crossed my mind when I was watching it. <laughs> At the very beginning, when the little girl is riding her tricycle through yeah. the town before she gets, you know, stopped at the house, the monster house. Yeah. You know, she's kind of singing to herself, saying, "Hide to the trees, mm-hmm. hide to the leaves, hide to the sky." But if you're listening to what she's singing in between there, where she's going, la, 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 la. Mm. Her la, la, la's match the notes in the song, in the background music. They do. And it makes me wonder, did they have her hear the song and then try to sing it? Mm. Or did they just have her make something up and then wrote the song to match? They match it. Yeah. I would love to know which way that went because <laughs> it's like, huh. That's actually kind of clever. <laughs> I like that. Agreed. What's your second like? My second like would be the use of the 3D camera environment. Definitely when you go towards when you're in the house. Because the, the way they rotate the camera within the environment is so well done. Mm-hmm. Be like, it's just be like, I'm watching this like, oh, okay, they're doing 360 shots. And this is 2006. I believe so. Yeah, it's 2006. And it's just like, it is, some of these animation shots are just breathtaking the way they use the environment. And it reminded me so much of how they did Coraline. Like, granted, Coraline was stop, was a stop motion. Stop motion. But this is after this, I believe. Yeah, this is after. But this was just, oh my gosh, I was. I was taken aback by some of these shots. I mean, like they're, they're doing like over, like over the shoulder shots and all these amazing camera angles throughout this entire film. It's like the director knew what he wanted to do and then executed it through a, a, um, a 3d camera. Yeah. And it's done incredibly well. I, I just, the way the way they use the camera in this movie is so well done, and I haven't seen that in a while in a movie. And this is just be like the camera work is spectacular. So yes, through the 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 use of camera throughout the environments are done very well and mwah, perfect. What's your number two? I love the design of the monster house and how even when you know the more mystical elements of this thing are in play it still feels like a normal house in, internally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got, you know, other things that are kind of different about it, yeah. but it still feels like it's like, like it never lost its three dimensionality. It yeah. Was, there's never, okay. You know how, when you watch something like say, well, a lot of these, like the Scooby-Doo stuff. Yeah. A lot of times, even though they're in a mansion, the, where they are in that mansion while the ghost chasing them is a lot bigger than mm-hmm. what realistically is in the walls they show. I mean, even Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island has this problem. Right. 
so many of these kind of shows do. This feels like the house you saw on the outside is the same house you're seeing on the inside. It never gets that lar- bigger on the inside mm. TARDIS-like feel to it. I gotcha. Um, but then the whole design as it switches from... like The fact that the house actually has facial expressions. Mm-hmm. That's... And, and at no point... Yeah, yeah you do kind of wonder. It's like, well, how did the wood repair itself? Because mm-hmm. the wood has to break in order for a lot of the, a lot of the animation to actually happen. Agreed. But, you know, okay, that's just the magic of of the haunted house. That's, that's a thing. Mm. But the fact that it, even when, you know, it gets blown into bits and then kind of rebuilds itself mm-hmm. haphazardly, uh, even then it still feels like, yeah, this is the same house. It's made up of the same number of boards you saw before. And the fact that they were able to make it feel that way and give it a whole, like it's, that thing is legitimately scary. Mm-hmm. I'll be, I'll be clear with you right there. That is legitimately scary. So the fact that it still looks like it's supposed to, it's a legitimately scary monster that these kids are having to escape from. And, and a part of the reason all that works is because it's just believably rendered mm-hmm. in such a way where it's like, yes, this is what animation is for. Exactly. Because uh, you, you can do stuff like this that you can't do in live action. In all honesty. So, yeah, I really love the design and how they animated uh, the monster house itself. Yep. What's your uh, third Totally get it. I'm definitely going down that alley as well. The What I call the house is alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the way they animate this house as... Like once we start realizing it is a an, an, is a uh, an alive act, alive it's an alive object, and uh, the the more we get into it, the more darker the themes, more haunting it becomes. Be like it literally is a monster mm-hmm. that the the way the exp- the way the the monster expresses itself, the way definitely towards the third act when uh, what's the wife's name again? Constance. Constant. When Constant realizes something's going wrong, be like literally takes the branches, picks itself up off the foundation, and starts chasing them. Because that's the only way it can. Exactly. And it's be like that idea be like the the house as a sentient being picks up pair of trees to make itself move. It was already controlling all of the trees. In the plant life. Oh, yeah. On that property. It, around it, which was freaking amazing. And just be like, and when when, when it starts chasing the kids and uh, it's uh, it's the 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 uh, the the deceased wife's husband. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, this gets really terrifying. Yeah. Be like between that and they're they're inside the monster. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Between the camera movement and the way this is animated, it is legitimately scary yeah oh my gosh if i would watch this as a kid i'd be like turn it off it's too scary but oh my word this is so i'd be like this movie is done so well when it comes to a lot not all of its animation but the 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 points in the animation where it shines oh baby does it shine oh, yeah. it shines bright and hot and it's so well done when they're so, not relying on motion capture to animate stuff. It's actually very nice. We'll yeah. get more into that. Yeah, in a we'll minute. get there when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I into like. our dislikes. Oh, I still have one more like. Oh yeah, that's right. What's your third? My last like 
Now, granted, I can't speak one of these movies off the top of my head outside of the newer versions of them. But I love that this kind of feels like a Stranger Things slash Super 8 type film. Oh, yeah. I know there had to be because 80s horror 80s. movies for, that had kids as the main characters. I know there had to be. I just can't think of what they are yeah. right now. Because the Goonies is kind of like that, but it's also not. Yeah. Uh, Goonies is adventure. It's more of an adventure kind, than a horror. Yeah, adventure In my kind of mind, there is, there is something in where kids were fighting a horror or trying to run away from a horror monster Stranger outside things. of Goosebumps. Yeah. Outside of the Goosebumps books, which is an entirely different kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. Or Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is more comedy horror than it was straight horror. Right. But anyway, I love that it has that kind of feel like you believe all three of these kids are kids of like the 80s. I do have one little minor gripe about how they were showing the setting of the film. Mm Mm-hmm. But we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Because they do think they messed up that 80s feel with one thing that I don't think most people would catch. Okay. But like I said, we'll get there when we get there. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we do have dislikes. What is your first dislike? My dislike, my first dislike, I think we're kind of in agreement with this one. Probably. Yeah. When they use the motion capture. When they abuse the motion yes. capture. Oh, my gosh. There's some of this where the we're primarily talking about our characters. Mm-hmm. And oh, all the humans. All the humans. Have oh. this problem. Now, granted, it's far better. Far better than Food Fight. Far better. That. I, okay, let me explain what the problem is with this. Because okay, when explain. I first saw it, I recognized immediately what it was because I have watched or technically played another property that used motion capture or abused motion capture in the same way. Mm-hmm. And it is the same problem. And that is Sonic the Hedgehog. A lot of those video games, the animation was done with motion capture. Okay. Now, you would think... This would make sense. The problem is Sonic the Hedgehog characters are not realistically designed characters. Right. In any way, shape, or form. They're anthropomorphic. Right. They're anthropomorphic. And you think, and and so it kind of gives them kind of a feeling of a mascot. Mm -hmm. Like like you're looking at like Mickey Mouse at Walt Disney World. Yeah, I agree. No matter how realistic they make that suit, it will never look right. Yeah. Because it's still a guy in a suit with a head that... Only kind of animates. Mm-hmm. Now, you would think Monster House would not have that particular problem because we are dealing with actual humans. Mm-hmm. Except these are not realistically designed humans. No, they're not. They are based on a kind of a storybook style yeah. illustration of humans. Yes. And so they have that same mascot feel. The heads never move naturally. Yeah, you're agreed. watching the animation. That is the main problem. Their heads movements do not match body movements. Agreed. Their eyes and mouth are too accurate to be on those big, almost hollow feeling heads. Agreed. It really looks like you're looking at a styrofoam head on an actual body. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And that's the problem. It's got man. Uh, I almost said mannequin, but it's not mannequin. It's got um, mascot costume syndrome. Yeah, agreed. That's the problem here. This is, and this, now granted, this is like 
what, two or three years after uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King mm-hmm. with Gollum being using motion capture. Mm-hmm. And the reason it works there is that design of Gollum is still more of a realistic mm-hmm. kind of uh, object. And plus, Andy Circus is overacting so much mm-hmm. that it masks the fact that his acting is masking the fact that the animation is a little bit chunky. Yeah. It, it covers it and masks it. And I can't even tell you where in Gollum's performance it's like it's chunky or not working well. Mm-hmm. Here I can spot it because it's over. It's not. It's this is still new technology. Mm-hmm. They are trying to act like what we think of would be good for motion capture, like normal people. Mm-hmm. The problem is the heads. Yeah, had to be and could not could not have been used with motion capture. Mm-hmm. So and or at least or if they were, it just kind of. Kind of looks like you're looking at like the Power Ranger helmets sometimes, except worse because their mouths and eyes are moving. <laughs> yeah, I don't know a better way to explain than that, but yeah, it's mascot syndrome. Okay, well, thank you for explaining that more. Do you know what the uh, other movie besides this that actually came out before this was? What's that? That may have as the same problem mm. that we have not reviewed yet. What's that? Polar Express. Ah, okay. It has the same problem, but it's. Okay. Li- some degree it works better in that, and some degree it doesn't. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, thank but you for explaining that a little further. Special effects team. <laughs> yeah. So with me, like, yeah, I would agree with you. The the uh, the way the the heads are designed, because there again, you're you're basing these off like you know, middle of the road, late teenagers, mm-hmm. and then shriek, you know, taking that, taking it down, compressing it into what would assume is probably a preteen who's much smaller. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. Be like, yeah, again, animation around this movie it, does very well. It does work for the action scenes. And I mm-hmm. think it's because they are moving too much for you to see any of the chunkiness. Yeah, agreed. But so on, much the, chunkiness. on the scenes when they are just standing around talking to each other. Yeah. Which there are quite a like number this. of. Yes. Because you have to have those scenes. You do. In these movies. Especially since most of the action is in like the last third of the film. Mm-hmm. It's just so much very noticeable during those mm-hmm. shots. It's like, yeah, this is not how y'all should have made this. I would agree with you. So, yeah, that's my number one. And my number Ch- one. Yeah, Chunky Heads. <laughs> What's your second dislike? My second dislike. She's saying hurry up. Yeah. Thanks, Dealit. So, so my second dislike is kind of going into the backstory where uh, I want to call him Snitcher Doodle. What's his name? <laughs> Nebercracker? Nebercracker. Nebercracker. It's like Nebuchadnezzar, but never but cracker. Nebercracker. 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 It's a but weird name. It is a weird name. I agree. Uh, what I, I do you like, could just call him Bushimi and we'll know who you're talking yeah, Bushimi. about. <laughs> yeah, Bushimi's backstory with his wife, his very angry wife. Yes. And uh like I I granted this is a nitpick. I love uh Steve Bushimi's performance as that character. There again, you're dealing with the 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 chunky head kind of mm-hmm. thing, but it still works in some capacities. Um but the backstory is just kind of but like very simple, and like there, granted, this is a nitpick. I wish they would have gone in a little more depth with it, instead of 
Now, granted, this is like towards the third act of this film, so they either wrap things up. Yeah. But I wish they would have taken just a little more time and gave us a little bit of be like, why is she a f- part of the freak show? Because um, she's a giantess. I, 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 yeah, I saw that. But for me, I, I wanted more. I wanted more from that because you have such this, you know, entrenched story. And then your your third act is literally be like, oh, here's the backstory of why the house is like it is. And it's so just kind of cookie cutter. There's there's nothing real, like no depth or like, you know, meat to it. And I wish they would have given a little more meat. Granted, a, little, a little more chunk, unlike the heads. Yeah. Granted, I get what you're saying about yes. uh, how Constance's backstory is not fleshed out yeah. well. Yeah. I can kind of see it where like maybe she's had a hard life where she's been because she is in the she has been in the freak show. It appears for a very yeah, long number time. Years, How she yeah. got in there, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so she's been picked on and messed with maybe her whole life. Mm-hmm. And then this guy comes along to take her away from it. And they are in their dream house. Basically, they're building their dream house uh-huh. at the end of the film. I didn't and like that part. I like your renditions were good. All you and all you really get is these kids were being kids mm-hmm. and. She, uh, throwing rocks at them in the house, which a don't, don't be do like that, that, kids. Come on. Uh, and so she gets mad and angry. And I'm sure she took it far more personally. Maybe she was having some sort of PTSD. Yeah, from flashback. the trauma of her own life. Right. I agree. So with you, maybe yeah. that's what it is. The problem is, I don't think we get enough real. They hold. Hold. They're trying to make you think it's. Nebercracker is the one haunting the house. Yeah, agree. So much of this film agree. that it's when the twist happens long. and then they have to explain what, ha- uh, what happened to uh, his wife, mm-hmm. that they don't have enough time to work on it. I'll, gr- yeah. I'll I'll give you that. Yeah. So yeah, it's just the uh, I wish they would have given us a little more of the uh, the the wife's backstory, kind of flushed out a little bit more. Uh, there again, it's a kids movie mm-hmm. that you have so much really good depth in this movie. But I think they kind of fall short that that very end is a little bit here and there, especially when the uh, the the constant falls to her death. And then we see later that that sub basement isn't that big. No. So it's it's a little it's a little jarring, confusing in some fashion, the form towards the third act. Like, granted, the story ends very well. It's just like when you start looking at dynamics of how they be like how big the sub basement is and all the bit. It's just like, okay, I'm a little confused, but, mm-hmm. and there again, uh, Constance backstory isn't exactly fleshed out. And we get all this wonderful detail of who, uh, uh, Bushimi's character, uh, yeah. Steve Bushimi's character is. And there again, Steve Bushimi's is an amazing actor, but, uh, yeah, that's my second, second dislike. Yeah. What's your, uh, my second dislike is, I have absolutely no idea why Nebercracker is confiscating all the kids' toys. Yeah, that never that made makes any... no sense. You, you, you... I get why he's trying to yeah. scare them off the property, mm-hmm. and it is that you know, you dirty kids, get off my lawn, sort of a yeah. thing. But they make you hate his character early on when when uh, he takes the girl's tricycle instead of just you know. Breaks it in he, half. He could, they, she could have, uh, you know, just maybe thrown it to get get it away from to so she would, you know, chase after it or something. Uh-huh. You know, 
they could have done that and then maybe it broke that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the fact that he not only takes it, he rips or somehow rips the wheel off without actually breaking it because he's able to give it back to her at the end of the film. Uh-huh. And then goes inside with it. Yeah. I and and we see that he's been doing this for many years, and we get the stories, of course. Mm-hmm. But then we get down there, and all of these toys are down there, and I just have to wonder why he would keep all these. Because you would think, especially like that, that kite of mm-hmm. uh, boneses, mm-hmm. I would have thought that would have got thrown away ten, fifteen years ago. You think? I don't think it would have been. If it were me in that situation, granted, I probably would have been nicer and gave him his kite back and say, don't stay out of my yard, you Mm -hmm. know, blah, blah, blah. Be be more respectful of your elders, something or another. Yeah. But the fact that that kite was still there for for Constance to lure bones into the house with. That was good. That was very good. That was good. Don't get me wrong, but that kite should not have been there. Agreed. It should have been. Even if. They kept the kite. It would have deteriorated to a point right now. It would not have been that pristine. Agreed. But there again, Magic House. Yeah. I just wish we had a better idea. I I don't know why he was keeping all the stolen toys. Um, Even if you think it's going to be him that's that's haunting Mm -hmm. the house. Yeah. I still don't know why he would have kept the toys and not have at least put them in the trash can to be hauled away to the dump. My, th- my theory on this... Even if you're going to steal the stuff, at least do that much. Yeah. My thought my thought would have been if they could have flushed out Constance's story a little bit, mm-hmm. like maybe this could have been like Constance never had a real uh, happy childhood or something like that. And so the house stole uh, toys where she could have some kind of, you know, uh, if, a, a stolen childhood. Yeah. Be like that would have been really cool. It's like, but the, oh, the, I'd be like constant. Be like, never had a really childhood, so she still, yeah. so she takes all these toys for herself. That would have been interesting, but they weren't really setting up for the fact that she was taking them because we never see her take any of the toys that we do see left on the lawn. Uh, she all we see her really gobble up is the beer bottle yeah. of Bones's and the signs that uh Buscemi put out mm-hmm. to scare to keep kids away. Yeah. We never actually see her ingest, you know, the tricycle or the uh chowder's ball or Yeah. Even though we know be like the ball is consumed. Yeah, we know it is, but we never actually see that. No, we don't. Um yeah, it's just we don't get enough I'm not even asking for a lot. I'm asking for maybe for five minutes mm-hmm. more of just backstory. A line or two. A line or two. That's I was like five minutes at most, maybe with some animation mm-hmm. or at least enough. Great. Maybe I don't, I don't want it to be, you know, just spoon fed to me. Yeah. Uh, I just want like just a quick little, like in the background, like if you're not paying attention, you may have missed it sort of yeah. thing, but it gives you more idea of why this is happening. I mean, not even Heater's scene, uh, or Skull, sorry, even really explains much, even though the entire reason his character exists is for exposition. Mm-hmm. And it's not even that good at exposition. True. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, what's your third dislike? My third dislike, now granted, this is just me, be like, I may be completely wrong on this, but there, there's a certain scene which I think 
maybe a little too suggestive for its target audience. Maybe just a little bit. Now, granted, this is just me. Hear me out. This is a family show, mm-hmm. family-friendly show, so I'm not going to go into any, you know, terrible detail. But the scene where the kids get gobbled or gobbled by the gobbled by the house, and Chowder is scared out of his mind. He's got a a, um, a water gun or super yeah. soaker. Man, I miss super soakers so much as a kid. They were so cool. But he's got the super soaker. And like when uh, I think it's Ginny, right? Yeah, Ginny's Ginny's a girl. Like Ginny says, "Oh, hi," and he, you know, shoots her with it. And I'm just like, "Okay, that's a little odd." And then you get the scene where the house realizes what's going on, be like, and then uh, the house starts gobbling them up, and he, the the house gobbles Ginny up by sucking her by a, a tube. Yeah. I'm thinking like, maybe I'm overthinking this. Most likely, I am. But I'm thinking, like, maybe it's a being a little too suggestive. Maybe. But there again, we're dealing with preteen kids. And there, um, there's always hormones going on and kind of stuff. But just there again, I'm, I'm not. I'd be like, it's just maybe I'm, I'm watching. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking this scene a little bit. And I'm like, pro- I probably am overthinking this scene. I think you might be. Maybe. Because I think all it's trying, it was because it showed Chowder getting... Uh, whisked away one direction and then her whisked away a third second yeah. and then DJ gets whisked away a third direction. Yeah, I agree. I don't you. think the idea was to suggest anything other than they wanted each character to get back up to the uh, the living room, for lack of a better term, right. in a different right. way. I agree, agree with you on that. Why? I don't know. In fact, it literally felt to me like, okay, we're splitting the party so they're all going to get tortured in a different way. And so maybe DJ is going to have to save Chowder and Jenny. Yeah, that's what and I then they being. don't do that. No, so they don't. I don't know if that's Perfectly maybe left over from a, a previous script or previous cut of the film. But yeah. 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 There again, it's probably me overthinking it because I have a tendency of overthinking things. So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm probably completely wrong, but I saw that scene and it was like, huh. That's a little odd. But there again, understanding where they're setting up and the yeah. whole bit, they want the characters to go different directions. But just to me, it seemed a little odd. Right. That's it. That's all it is. That's my third. What's your third? My third dislike is I think they messed up in a John Heater scene with the arcade game. Now, it is a fictional arcade game. Yeah. So, you know, I'll give it that much. Mm. But this movie is taking place in 1983. Mm-hmm. I mean, we even see Chowder in an earlier scene playing on an Atari 2600-esque system. We see that kind of yeah. graphics. Uh, looks like a combination of Pong and Yar's Revenge. Mm. But um, we see get to that arcade game. And uh, that's a pretty complex arcade game for 1983. Yeah. It's that'd be more like late eighties. So here's the thing. The closest game I, the game I think it's supposed to be referencing Mm -hmm. is, uh, ghouls and ghosts, which was, uh, it's Capcom. I believe it's a, uh, it it was an arcade game and it did kind of have a eight bit, nearly 16 bit look problem is let me just do a quick 
uh, Ghouls and Goblins. Sorry, not Ghouls and Ghosts. Mm. Uh, Ghouls and Goblins, though, came out in 85. Okay. So maybe you could kind of give the fact that, you know, it is a scrolling game in the mm-hmm. early 80s that much of a pass because maybe I can kind of see it. Where I kind of have issue, though. Okay. Those are 16-bit graphics. <laughs> that is Super Nintendo era graphics. Now, granted, arcades always looked better than the uh, home consoles. Yeah. In this in this era, uh, and I don't remember what the arcade version of Ghosts and Goblins or Ghouls and Goblins, whatever the name of that game mm-hmm. is. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it looked like in the arcades, but I don't think it looked that good. Mm. Because that was 16-bit, and it looked like 16-bit graphics. Yeah. Almost 32-bit graphics, which is definitely too early. Yeah. So, uh, especially for a arcade machine in a rundown middle-of-nowhere town in Wisconsin, True. or Maryland, or wherever this yeah. thing is supposed to be, it is... It's a minor nitpick thing, yeah. but it's like the first thing I notice, I go, those graphics are way too good for this time period. <laughs> Especially since Chowder was playing uh, an Atari earlier mm-hmm. that barely looked like it was off, gotten off the ground. But anyway, yeah. maybe it was an early release game, but it was 83. Yeah, but most of those would have been released probably either. Well, most of the time they're released on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So you know, like Washington, Oregon, California. Uh, where did I say this took place? Uh Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I don't think they would have early released a game in Wisconsin. I got you. I just don't. Fair enough. That's like them early releasing a game here. Yeah. We never got anything early here, to my knowledge, even though we're close to, you know, Dallas. Uh We just, we never got anything early here. I doubt Wisconsin ever got anything early like this, because usually where they were testing games, see how well they worked in markets to my knowledge, was always like Washington, Oregon, California, because those were the closest arcade arcades to Japan. Mm-hmm. As that's where they that, that's because that's where they would put the uh, American uh, headquarters for all these Japanese companies mm-hmm. would be, you know, where they could easily quickly get to it by ship. Yeah, I just it just looks too good for the time period. Fair. Fair enough. And it's hard to rationalize it away. And that's just a minor thing. So. I got you. Kudos, though, for actually making it look like it was on a CRT monitor, though. Because mm-hmm. that's hard. <laughs> anyway. Um, we got to rate this thing. Yeah, we're rating it. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid eight. Be like, there again, some of the animations a little bit off. It's got great story. Uh, there again, I think some of the third act needs a little more polish. Uh, definitely records um, well, like the the uh, the wife and Bushi, uh, Bushimi's backstory probably need a little more polish. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I love the story. I love the storytelling. I love the camera work. Uh, when it comes, maybe not the heads, the the chunky character heads. Uh, other than that, it's done very well. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I might rewatch it at some point, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I'm giving it an 8. What do you think? I'm going to give it an 8 also purely on um, how well I think the movie was written and how well the non 
uh, motion capture, or technically it was performance capture, uh, animation was done. Okay. I think a lot of the, where they actually felt like it was more hand animated, I think looked really good. Mm. Wish we got more of that. Uh, like I said, I think the writing was good. I think that alone puts it at, eight, at an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, I can't really rate it more than that because, like we said, the chunky head animation and uh, this is not my kind of movie. I, I totally get it. Uh, I totally get it. I have never been much of a horror guy. I like th- uh, kind of a thriller stuff. And this is kind of like right there on the edge of where I kind of fall off and say this is not for me. Gotcha. Um, but other than that, I thought it was a good film. Uh, definitely give it an eight. Okay. Which brings us to the end of our review of this one. And what Next movie, movie what? we're reviewing, because mm-hmm. we just finished, this finishes off Halloween month. We're moving into Miyazaki slash Studio Ghibli month with a Miyazaki film, namely the one that's got him the Academy Award, hmm. Spirited Away. Ah. The first Miyazaki film to make it over here successfully nice i have to say successfully because all of the ones we've almost every all the films we've reviewed before this in miyazaki month with a few exceptions were released by streamline back in the day (laughs) i mean nausicaa famously is the one where when they went to disney went to dub it they sent them a katana with the word no cuts on it Because they really make want to make sure you do this right. Yeah, don't cut this film up. <laughs> yes. So yeah, Spirited Away is the, is our next movie that yes. we are reviewing. Um, other than that, we've got two episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks to review. Mm-hmm. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. First episode of tonight, An Embarrassment of Duplers, directed by Kim Arndt and written by David Wright. Mariner and Bo- uh, story for this one, Mariner and Boimler try to track down the location of a legendary Starfleet party, while the bridge crew deals with an insecure alien diplomat. Uh-huh. In this episode, along with playing Shax, Fred Tadasior is also playing the Bouncer and a Klingon. Hmm. Jillian Vigman, who plays Dr. Ta'ana, mm-hmm. is also voicing the Aurelian wife and the model ship's computer. Mm. Tom Kenny is uh, voicing Malvis, Captain Anderson, and Aurelian husband. Richard Kind, 
who was previously on uh, Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure yes. as what was his name? Oh, the one that Rapunzel it was Rapunzel's enemy. I'll just say that. Didn't like Rapunzel very much. Oh, uh, Uncle uh, no, uh, Monty. Monty. Uncle Monty. Monty. Uncle Monty. Uh, he plays the Dupler. Oh, that totally makes sense. And now. that's the only name we have for this guy is Dupler. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lewis plays the bartender, and Paul Shear played uh, the groundskeeper, Billups, and a captain. Hmm. Getting into the trivia for this, this is the second episode of the series to not include a teaser before the opening title, after hmm. season one's Cupid's Errant Arrow. In the barbershop, Mariner and Boimler drive... Th- in the barbershop that Mariner and Boimler drive through, three Bolian barbers are seen. This continues the tradition of Bolian barbers, such as Vassal and Mott on Star Trek The Next Generation. Hmm. The joke actually being that Bolians are generally bald. As barbers. Yes. And much like you shouldn't trust a skinny chef, you shouldn't trust a bald barber either. Sure. If we're being honest, although I think one of my, I think one of the barbers that usually hits my hair is bald. Now that I think about it, <laughs> but anyway, uh, this episode reveals that Starbase Twenty Five has a Quarks Bar franchise, making it the third establishment to appear after the one we saw in Quaalor Two in "Will Always Have Tom Paris," and the one on Free Cloud in the Picard episode. Stardust City Rag. Hmm. The bouncer, who wouldn't let Freeman and her bridge officers into the party, along with a bartender and server seen working inside the party, are the same species as M3 Green from the animated series episode The Jihad. Hmm. So yeah, they're still bringing in more animated series Hmm. aliens that we never got to see in real life. Uh, this episode featured the return of the legacy characters from Star Trek The Next Generation who had non-speaking in-person appearances. One being uh, Captain Shelby, who we knew as Commander Shelby, from The Best of Both Worlds. Hmm. She was the one who... Uh, uh, have you seen that episode? No. Okay. This is the episode where Picard gets, assim- Picard gets assimilated by the Borg. Oh, okay. That one. And... Uh, she was brought along as a consultant because she'd been working in the Borg uh, preparatory uh, department getting ready in case the Borg attacked. Yeah. And so she was the one who knew more about the Borg from the stuff than anybody else did. So when Picard got assimilated and Riker had to take over captaining the Enterprise, Mm -hmm. he needed a first officer, he got Shelby. Ah. And there was a point in time in the show where we actually thought Picard was not going to survive. Riker was going to be the new captain and Shelby was the new first officer. Hmm. So she, she's an interesting character. Interesting. But yeah. We do get to see her, even though we don't get it. She doesn't have a speaking role. We also see Thaddean Okona from the episode, the outrageous Okona. Thaddean Okona is seen holding a piece of hardware, nearly identical to the damaged guidance system. He brought aboard the USS enterprise D during his episode. Hmm. And I do love the fact that, uh, Freeman says, Okona's in there? He's not even Starfleet. That's outrageous. Referencing the title, Outrageous, outrageous. Okona. <laughs> uh, Shelby's first off, a- a- alien first officer resembles the original design of the Kelpians from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Kirk's old bar 
has numerous images or portraits of various characters, including those of Arax and Imres, which were two uh, animated series characters. Mm. Uh, appear, they appear on the wall with many images replicating or resembling frames taken from episodes in which they originally appeared. Also present in that bar were as a jukebox, a model of Zephram Cochran's Phoenix from Star Trek First Contact mm-hmm. and Voyager Homestead, as well as models of the Doomsday Machine from the uh, original series episode, The Doomsday Machine, and the Guardian of Forever from the original series episode, The City on the Edge of Forever. And that's all the trivia I got. What did you uh, think of this episode? Oh, my my first thought was like, okay, what did Meritor do this time? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, like every episode, this girl has to do something. <laughs> and be like, granted, she's the main character. I totally get that. But you every- are going to enjoy season three. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> And be like, it's it's there again. Be like, it's her and Boimler be like trying to reconnect after he came back from the Titan. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, be like, they have this crisis on board the um, the Dupler. Uh, the Dupler is on the Cerritos. And it's like, oh, this is the perfect time. Be like, yeah, let's go to this party. <laughs> I will say that this is the only time I think the Dupler has ever existed in Star Trek. It was created for this episode. Hmm. Because I don't remember him from anything else, any, mm. a character like him. Yeah. So this is an interesting concept for an alien species that when they get agitated, they duplicate. Yeah, that was kind of funny. <laughs> like it, it was, it was definitely when you get to uh, uh, Tinley and uh, Rutherford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when uh, Rutherford, he's be like he's trying, be like he's trying to replicate what he did when he was, you know, a year ago before his yeah. member got wiped. And now it's like, and then it's just more towards the end of the episode. It's like, oh yeah, I would have done this anyway. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I was, you know, I'm not as smart as I used to be. It's just like, we're trying to spare, get more time with each other rather than like getting it done faster. Yeah. Which I found hysterical. That was absolutely hysterical because the, the dynamic between these two characters are so well done. And it's just two characters that want to just, you know, goof around and have fun, but also they want to do their job. Right. And then you have uh, Mariner. <laughs> don't worry, I like Mariner, but I don't like her. Yeah, she's that kind of character. Yeah, you she, like her, and you don't like okay. her because she causes way too much trouble. She does. And of course, she she's blaming Boimler for everything. They're like, "You abandoned me. You abandoned this." And da 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 da. And there's a point there. Now, granted, point me if I'm wrong where she starts blaming Boimler for everything that be like, Oh, you abandoned us. And da, 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 da. She, she does keep blaming him for abandoning them as, when uh, they went to, when he went to the, uh, the, the Titan. Titan. And apparently there was another like off episode thing where he ended up for some reason, leaving them for some reason. I yeah, don't, it's I, stranded. I didn't, they didn't say that doesn't, Wait, that wasn't seen on screen. Yeah, which is but which was weird. Yeah, because that be like Boimler wouldn't intentionally leave someone abandoned. Now Mariner would. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, it was just it was it was so weird. I was like, okay, we don't have context. Of what's going on here? So it's like, okay, who's telling the truth here? But uh, the overall, the episode was really well done, and it gave this more of a this feel of. Like, uh, 
the captain of Cerritos would be mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going to get into this party because we did this and this and this and this. And towards the end of it, it's like, oh, we're just hanging out in this little bar that happened to, that Kirk used to hang out with. Yeah. And uh, I, I found that part interesting where it was like, okay, here's that little dynamic family you was getting these kind of shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like that because most of the time with this show, you primarily get it with all the lower decks. You don't get it with all the, the, the bridge crew. For the most part. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. I'm just saying. I'm just thinking. Save it for the episodes. Okay. Some int- I'm just saying some interesting things. We, we do get character development all the way around. Okay. Going forward. Gotcha. Admittedly, that first season was mostly focused on the lower decks. You know, the main four. Of course. With the senior crew, you know, coming up because they mm-hmm. have to. Because they always are technically in the quote-unquote A story mm-hmm. that the the adventures of the Cerritos technically would be about, except mm-hmm. we're not following that story. No. We're following what the Lower Decks people are doing. Mm-hmm. But the more the show goes on and the more they have to interact with the other crew, they do get some more character development. Okay, good. We'll say that. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I did love... I, I liked the concept of the Dupler, like I said... Uh, and I do love the fact that we are getting more of uh, Tendi and Rutherford's relationship in this mm. as they're coming back together yeah. after you know he lost his memory. Um, I love the fact that that model is so <laughs> accurate that they have to use the tweezers to get the keys out of the... Uh, <laughs> the security the the station core. to... Re- and then go to the where they are in the uh, engineering section to turn them to release this little bitty warp core that they can then throw and it will blow up. I thought <laughs> that was that's a little too. Uh, yeah, why accurate. would you put a warp core on a model? <laughs> you would think that'd be the battery. Yeah, you and it should have just popped out a little D cell battery. Yeah. But, but it's, no, it's an warp actual core. working miniature warp core. I'm thinking that's a bit dangerous to have on a model. Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is um, the packaging that we see on, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on for the model Cerritos and then later on the model Deep Space Nine yeah. box. Those look suspiciously similar to the models made for the 90 shows. Mm-hmm. Like they, the I think AMT was the uh, yeah the company that made those models. Those look suspiciously similar, almost mm. to like you could tell they went back and looked at that artwork and then tried to match that style because it's got kind of a late 80s, early 90s flair to yeah, it. Agreed. Which those models had until the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the Cerritos, I don't, th- neither the, of course, the Cerritos didn't have a model like that made. Uh, I don't think there was ever a Deep Space Nine model, but don't quote me on that. Mm. But um, I did like like that. And of course, the whole idea of the way, she, the, way the bartender described Kirk and Spock, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, I could see them doing that now. Because at mm. first, when she said, oh yeah, they tried to break into the, that party too, and they were kicked out, and I'm going, how would they have gotten kicked out? It's Kirk and Spock Fuck. when they were on the Enterprise. That was a, but then the way they described it is like, uh, 
the the blonde one drank while the other one just kind of stood there stoically. I go, yep, yeah, that would be Kirk and Spock. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I do like that episode. It was nice. uh, it's like it's a that's a fun episode. So let's go ahead and jump to the next one. Uh, do, 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 the Spy Humongous. Oh gosh! Directed by Bob Suarez and written by John Cochran. Uh, in this episode, Anomaly Consolidation Day on the USS Cerritos leaves the lower deckers with mixed emotions. Captain Freeman attempts to negotiate peace on the pack-led home world. Oh, pack leads. Never change. <laughs> uh, Neil Casey is in the, in this episode, plays Casey and the scary alien on machine. I love that character name. <laughs> uh, Rich Fulcher played Rumdar, pack led rebel, ambassador Grubden, pack led servant, emperor pack led and king pack led. Brian Potion played Queen Packled, Out of Breath Packled, and Packled Delegate Number Two. Phil Amar re- uh, returned as a- Admiral Freeman. Lauren Lapkus uh, returned as Jennifer. Gabrielle Ruiz played Castro and a computer. And Carl Tart played Lieutenant Kayshawn. Mm. Getting into the trivia for this one. This is the first episode where Ensign Casey's name is officially revealed on screen. It was previously unofficially established in the closed captions from Strange Energies. Hmm. Uh, the manner in which the plant in Lab 4005 sprays thorns from the center of its flower resembles the pod plant from Gamma Tranquil 6 from the original series episode, The Apple. Fortunately Mar- for Mariner, the plant's thorns, unlike those of the pod plant, were not poisonous. Ouch! <laughs> The Kazinti Ensign, who first appeared in Mugato Gumato, appears in this episode for the first time as a speaking role. This is the big cat guy that was in the red shirts. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, During his appearance, while discussing poor posture, he demonstrated an example that reflected the posture displayed by the Kazinti telepath from the Slaver Weapon, which for some reason does not say what episode that is from. Hmm. And I can't get it. Oh, uh, do-do-do-do. Oh, as an, as an animated series episode. Uh, during, quote-unquote, Captain Boimler's rousing speech to his crew, he imagined himself on the bridge of a galaxy-class starship that resembled that of pre-Star Trek Generations' USS Enterprise-D. Uh, yeah. Rumdar references wanting to see the Cerritos' crimson force field. I don't get that either. I will explain it. <laughs> okay. Because I think this is brilliant. Uh, this is a reference to a fictitious defensive weapon named by Jordy LaForge, next generation, mm-hmm. and invented in quotes by Captain Riker that was first mentioned in the next generation episode, Samaritan Snare, which is the episode that introduced the Packleds. Okay. It was literally a lie to get them out of get get them out of there. Mm. Uh, Mariner uses Tendi's given name for the second time after learning it, and the fact that she had one in "We'll Always Have Tom Paris." This is despite having previously included it in the credits for her Hollow film, "Crisis Point: The Rise of Vindicta." This episode featured for the second week in a row the return of another legacy, another legacy character from Star Trek The Next Generation. In this case, Armus, 
from Skin of Evil. And I love the look I'm on like, my co-host's who? face. <laughs> because when I saw this moment, I thought, oh, Jacob is not going to have an idea what's going on here. First season, episode of 17 s- of Next Generation. Okay, that's what I thought. The episode that killed the first main character, uh, main series character on The Next Generation. Oh, yeah. The death of Lieutenant Natasha Yar. Mm-hmm. Technically not her last episode. No. And I don't just mean because she returns as her daughter later on in the series mm-hmm. and then in, as a time variant version of her in Yesterday's Enterprise. No, she has one more episode as security officer of the USS Enterprise D. Is literally the next episode because they've released the episodes and filmed the episodes out of order. Mm. <laughs> What's funny is that other episode... As uh, her last, the last part you see of her on screen, she is in the background behind Picard and Crusher as they're walking into a turbo lift. Mm -hmm. And as right before the turbo lift doors close, if you are watching where she is, she quickly turns around and waves goodbye on to the camera because that was her last time on screen. Why not? It makes sense to me, and it's like very short. You've got to be watching for it, Mm. but. uh, the fact that they brought the stupidest character in Next Generation back. The stupid goo monster from that episode. It's a bad episode, no matter how you cut uh, it. okay. And Armus is a stupid, bad character. This is... Yeah, remember, this is back when Riker was still beardless. Yeah. Um, and you get this great image of him being dragged into Armus's goo pond. And this... Uh, weird uh, mask of him floating up in it right before a commercial break to think, oh no, he's getting killed too. Yeah, he's not getting killed, but they did just kill another character. So Lieutenant Yar went out like all good security officers do in the first five minutes to protect everybody else, Mm. all the real characters from, she died the death of a red shirt. Uh. And I do not mean the red shirts from the last episode. Or this episode. Yeah, no. Because that's the other thing. The commander, the the team that Boimler is joining, that mm-hmm. includes Jennifer, by the way, mm. uh, she does keep showing up. Oh, okay. But uh, they call themselves the Red Shirts because they think it sounds cool and makes them sound invincible. And yes, sure, by Next Generation, the Red Shirt characters are not the ones who died every away team because they changed colors. True. In the original series episode, though, All of the Starfleet security people wore red. That's why they were the ones who continually got killed every episode. And if you've ever heard someone refer to a character as a red shirt, Uh that's where this comes from. Oh, yeah. And when you recognize there are characters who are, quote unquote, red shirts in everything that has a character where you've got to show somebody die Mm -hmm. to show how serious the situation is or get gravely injured. Mm -hmm. I apologize. Gravely injured or killed to show how dangerous the situation is without risking the the character your main characters because you got to have them come back next mm-hmm. week. That is a red shirt, and Natasha Yar went out the death of a red shirt. She died in the first fifteen minutes. I think she might have even died in the cold open. Mm. I think she was the death right before the opening uh, t- theme song. Mm. I could be wrong there, but I swear she was, and it's not even a good death. 
she gets hit by this weird goo thing and falls over. That's it. And I love that we go back and we just prank call Armis at the end of this episode. Because <laughs> it's just a weird thing. I was wondering. I was like, what in the world? Where is this a reference from? Now I know. Okay. Yeah. It's. I'm not telling you to go back and watch that episode. Unless you just like to see the, my, the one of the most hated main characters of the first season of Next Generation get killed. <laughs> I say that because we kind of liked seeing her come back later in other episodes. Yeah. So she was a villain as Sela Yar, but mm. beside the point. At that point, she was half Romulan. Mm. Anyway, it trust me, it makes sense. Yeah, in context. But yeah, this episode. <laughs> I, tell me what you thought of this episode. I kind of <laughs> geeked out for a minute. No, of course, like no, Drew would never uh, geek out about anything Star Trek. <laughs> Trek. Trek. Okay. Not track. <laughs> Trek. Star Trek. I'm sorry. You did just hit one of the memes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this this episode, it was Boimler getting sucked into this, this little group of characters, red shirts, who think they'd be like, oh, we're above everybody else. They're the same rank as everybody else. But we're, 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 the, we're the elite that are going to become captains one day. It's like, oh, okay. Be like, yeah, you stick with us. You'll become a captain in no time. I'm like, uh, do you, are you sure you know what that word means? <laughs> I don't think so. And I love how the guy that is sticks it out, mm -hmm. he gets his three seconds in the captain's chair before Shax kicks him out of it <laughs> because of the shift change. Oh, that was great. That was perfect. And it was just the, the, this idea of leadership. And it was like, how, like, be like, you got to inspire your team. It's like, yeah, of course. But towards the end, definitely with, uh, with, uh, Tinley, uh, Mariner and, uh, Rutherford are mm -hmm. doing all like the grunt work and they're like going through and like changing out all this stuff. And Tinley's like trying to make everything where it's the coolest thing ever. And of course, Mariner's got to, you know, you know, got to pop that balloon and see how bad and terrible things yeah. are. And Rutherford's not too excited about it. No. But, but still how they all keep getting hit by all these weird Oh, it was things. great. <laughs> oh, especially when Mariner gets hit with that uh the uh the uh the the needles. The, yeah. <laughs> so to quote uh Chance from Homeward Bound the Incredible Tourney, it bit me with its butt. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. That's, that's probably what I thought when I first saw this. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, Homeward Bound. Yeah. And just, just the look of sure. I'm in pain right now. <laughs> look on yeah. here. But like, <laughs> it's like, oh, this one hurt a bit. But, oh, my. Oh, those parts were absolutely hysterical. Those characters be like, oh, it's this goo. We got to analyze. We got to do. We got to do this to get this done. And, uh. And so while you're going on with this, you got the uh, the the packlet, uh, the the oh, packlet who is who is me like he's obviously the uh, he's he's a spy, but he's like oh I just want to go see your work car. He's looking at stuff. I'm like yeah, you're definitely a spy. You're a dare yeah. terrible spy. Let me see your shield harmonics. I am packlet. I am the strongest. And then you get down to the planet and uh, where. Uh, Freeman is mm -hmm. 
having to deal with the bureaucracy of the Packlet planet. Oh my gosh. I don't have a big enough helmet to negotiate a ceasefire. Well, then show me someone with a bigger helmet. Bigger helmet. Who has a big enough helmet. All hail the Packlet Queen. Give us a Rendar. I, he says, uh, he's on the, he's on the, he's on the toilet right now, <laughs> but he says you should negotiate a ceasefire. A ceasefire? I don't have a big enough helmet to negotiate a ceasefire. And it keeps going up. Up, we up, get, up, up. It's the, goes to the Packlet King, the Packlet Emperor, and a revolutionary. It's like, good night. Where were you going to go next? The Packlet God? Oh, that's scary. <laughs> that is scary. Um... But it's just so funny. It's like be like the point where they finally get the uh, <laughs> or the, uh, the 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 packlet spy be like, oh, I went to the bathroom. It's like, yes. no, you would. <laughs> I learned that the Enterprise has the biggest bathrooms. And also that is not Captain Janeway. That is Captain Freeman. <laughs> That's what I was telling you. <laughs> And the fact to me, like, there, I am the, strong. I there is no way I gave. I, I revealed to you our secrets. Yes, and we need to be impressed by that. And what, what secrets did you not oh, tell good us? Good night, Packers. Well, we decided to sneak a Veruvian bomb. I think that's what it was yeah. onto Earth. Why? Thank you. Beam us out of here. <laughs> Get out of here now. <laughs> that was just great. I mean, like the, that that whole setup. I was like, oh, brilliant. I mean, like these these are not the most. These are not the sharpest tools in the shed of characters. What's weird is the that last episode of first season where they brought it back, brought the, brought the packlets back. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were shown to be stupid characters, but they were shown to be like, you know, the problem with stupid characters and stupid people in large numbers. Mm-hmm. They are a pain in the butt to deal with, and yes. you're almost worse than people who think smart about these sort of things. Yeah. We're back to them being joke characters yes, in this episode. Agreed. And they seem to be joke characters go in the next couple episodes yeah. too that they show in show up in. Oh my gosh. But so like kind of wrapping this up, we get uh Bormley gets wrapped up in this whole red shirt group and it's like, oh, make great speeches, the whole mm-hmm. bit, new uniform, whole bit. Be like, you'll make captain no time. And then you have Tin you have Tinley who is be like gets infected by this cube yes this mood altering cube that then turns her into a praying mantis just... monster <laughs> and then it's just like be like the 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 redshirt guys would be like oh yeah let's make big speeches to do this and like bomblers yeah. be like we're all the same we're, we're all the you, same what are you we doing get in there do something what are you doing we're inspiring the crew they are the crew, crew. we are the crew. crew and he's like oh i know how to take care of this and he goes and starts replicating a bunch of garbage <laughs> <laughs> to to make to make himself be so he can be funny to s- make Tindy laugh, uh huh, and that's what saves her pretty much. Oh yeah, that was absolutely <laughs> hysterical, absolutely hysterical. Man, that was such a waste of reconstituted proteins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there there again, like you said before, with the uh, the the red shirt, the, the 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 guy who stuck it out. Be like, uh, what's what is the uh, our come on, the uh. uh uh, security officer. What's his name? Shax. Shax. When Shax comes by, or was no, it wasn't Shax. It was uh, yeah, it was Shax. It was Shax. Okay, yeah, because he yelled at him, shift change, get out of here. Mm. No, 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 I'm talking about that. I'm talking about when uh, they're talking about uh, the 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 main richer oh, guy. When uh, Ransom comes by, yeah, says, Ransom oh, yeah, goes sure, by. I don't care. Oh, by the way, uh, Boiler, thank uh, thank you for that quick thinking. That showed real leadership. Yeah, it's like yeah, for once, the person who got the who should have gotten. Uh, promoted 
No. Uh, recognition yeah. is getting recognition in this show. Yes. Because he was literally trying. Yeah. And, and so it'd be like, it shows like that idea of like what leadership, what some people think leadership is and what mm-hmm. leadership actually is. Right. Is stepping out and doing something rather than be like, be like, oh, I'm going to show I'm doing something, but I'm doing do anything. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a very interesting how they uh, demonstrate leadership through action rather than through word. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was like, oh, yeah, I get the captain for three seconds, and then I get yelled at. Uh, get out of my chair. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I, while I forgot, about, I, I didn't completely forget about this episode. Yeah. Because I mostly remembered, you know, the whole thing with the Packleds, mm-hmm. with the all the 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 King Packled and Queen Packled and all this other stuff. And we're thinking, good night, this is ridiculous. I remembered all that stuff, but most of the rest of this episode I had forgotten, and this is just mm. such a fun episode. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one we get to review. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think that's going to be it for yep. us tonight. Uh, you got anything to add before we need to uh, cut out of here? Uh, just uh, I'm definitely looking forward to Ghibli Month with mm-hmm. the movies that I've seen one of these films. I think I, I've, I've seen the cat returns. I know yeah. that I know you've seen the cat returns because you borrowed my copy uh, last mm-hmm. year when we watched whispers of the heart and yes. you wanted to go ahead and watch the sequel. Yes. And I loved that movie. Well, pseudo sequel, pseudo sequel, but still it was a good movie. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. The other two, I don't think I've seen so far yet. I'm not sure, but I know they're that, both good movies. Oh, okay. I admittedly have not seen, uh, spirited away in probably 20 years. Mm. And I remember when I watched it, I was not in the mindset of this can also be good. Mm. Cause I just remember this being, this is not anime. Cause this is not, you know what I was considering anime at the time. Gotcha. But, uh, I'm sure I may have a different, a different opinion about it this time. I just hadn't gotten back around to it yet. I gotcha. So yeah, definitely looking forward to Ghibli month. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause so next time we are reviewing, uh, spirit away, spirited away. And then we'll also be looking at the episodes, uh, where pleasant fountains lie and I excretus of Star Trek lower decks. Interesting. Yes. So join us next time for that. Uh, and, uh, I guess this is Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. 
The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Jacob, are you sure that's not pee in that bottle? I hope not. And I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs>